The God I never knew, talking about the Holy Spirit. We all know the Father, we know the Son, but who is the Holy Spirit? Is he goosebumps after an amazing drama? Is he a wind? Is he a fire? Is he just a magical creature that floats around? Who is the Holy Ghost? Who is the Holy Spirit? And so, uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how the Holy Spirit is equally God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a guide. He's a helper. And the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person with feelings and emotions, according to the Scripture. And so we're going to talk about something called the baptism in the Holy Spirit today. And this can be something that's scary in a lot of churches or mysterious. Many of us have heard about the baptism in water. But what is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? What is the baptism in fire? And so today we're going to talk about three different kinds of baptisms found in the New Testament. And I, I pray that this would be a blessing for you all. And so if you could join me in Acts 19, we're going to start off reading a scripture about people who are completely ignorant when it came to the Holy Spirit and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, 1 through 7, the scriptures say, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. He asked this question, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So here as we look at the scriptures, we see that people can be ignorant of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We only know about the baptism of John. And I even remember this was my story, this is many of our stories where we felt like, what? There's another baptism? What? There's more to experience? And Jesus talked about this in his earthly ministry. The scriptures talked about this. But unfortunately, in the church, it's been kind of a, a taboo subject. Have you ever been part of a, a religious experience where people are afraid to celebrate and talk about the Holy Spirit. I shared a couple weeks ago that when we moved here to Bellevue to plant this church, I, I talked with a, a local pastor and he said, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and working today? And I said, absolutely. And he said, well, your church will never make it in Bellevue. Well, I want to let you know, our church isn't even a year old, but we're still here and that church shut down. Not that I celebrate that, but understanding and celebrating the Holy Spirit is of utmost importance to all of us. And so let's pray as we dive in today of what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is according to the scripture. Dear Father, we thank you for the moment, this opportunity to celebrate the Holy Spirit, to dive into the scriptures. For those of us who have had bad experiences with people being a little goofy or weird when it comes to the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that we would go to the source, to the scriptures, to understand what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? What do the scriptures say about the Holy Spirit? And we would build our lives off of the solid rock of the word. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 
When I was a, a young man in the faith, I remember trying to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I had heard of Jesus, like I said. I had heard of the Father, but I didn't even know where to begin. And uh, I remember there was this pastor who was preaching at a youth camp, and I, I loved listening to the message. He was powerful. He was funny. I was totally engaged. But he talked about how if you want to make a difference in this world, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said that you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you will be my witnesses. He talked about this, explained this, and as he preached, something came alive in my heart, and my heart was really open. I said, God, I want everything you have for me. I want every gift. I want every reality that you have for me in this Christian experience. And I prayed that I would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I prayed that, God, you would use me to help people who are depressed, to help people who are suicidal, to help people who have no hope, that I would let them know the beauty of Jesus. Lord, use me. And if you have power for me that I could make known the message and the power of Jesus, I want it all. Have you ever been in a place like that where you're just so hungry and you're saying, Lord, use me. Lord, I want more. I want everything that you have. And as we prayed after that message, something happened to me. It was like I was hit by lightning. It was like I was hit by strong wind and I began to weep uncontrollably. And I, I'm a pretty stoic person at times. I grew up in Minnesota. I'm not, I'm not an easy crier. I don't like to cry, you know. And uh, I, 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 I began to just cry. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not a pretty crier like Carlin. No, I'm not. Where's Carlin at? I'm not, I'm not a pretty crier like Carlin. I, I was an ugly crier as I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. I fell to the ground and snot was filling that church's carpet. I'm sorry for whoever had to clean that. And I'm crying and I'm just there and I stay there for 15 minutes and 20 minutes and a half an hour and an hour and an hour and a half and two hours. And I was there as a teenager crying for almost three hours. Not something I was doing in my own strength. Not something I really wanted to do. It felt like I was the only youth that was having this experience as people were watching me. I was a little embarrassed, but I was so consumed in this moment in the Holy Spirit. And I, in high school and middle school before, I was really walking with the Holy Spirit. I was, a, I was a timid person. I was insecure. Many of you know my testimony. I had a mustache made out of chapped lips. I wore pink wind blazers before hipsters were cool. I didn't know my hair was was curly so I would put a lot of mousse in it, let it dry out, then comb it out so it created its own form of dandruff. I was an awkward kid. I was insecure. I was timid. But suddenly after this encounter with the Holy Spirit, it was like I received an upgrade. Have you ever experienced that? It's like suddenly I had a boldness and a power that wasn't from my own strength, but it was the boldness of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you guys have uh, cell phones or smartphones were my smartphone people. Were my dumb phone people? Probably not as vocal. Dumb phone, really? Love. You rather have the dumb phone. And Will, by the way, he won a grill last week at Father's Day service. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I feel like as Christians, or like this scripture we just read about, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. I feel like as Christians, many of us have our smartphones. We've received the gift of salvation. We've received our smartphones. We've received access to this new way of communication and this operating system. But many of us as Christians, I feel like we live in airplane mode. 
Have you ever heard of airplane mode on your phone? It's where you can, you can turn your phone on so it's functional, but you can disconnect it from connecting to the source of communication. You can put on airplane mode, and that way you can't send out texts, you can't use any data, and you can't receive any updates because you're not connected to the cloud. And as Christians, I feel like many of us have received salvation. We've received a lot of information after that. But there is an update available that we can upgrade our system, our operating system. We can receive present-day communication and messages, but we live in airplane mode because we realize that the Holy Spirit is living and active, and it can get weird. It can get supernatural. It can get uncomfortable. And many of us rather put our religious experience in a box than experience the true, messy, uncontrollable power of the Holy Spirit. But the thing is, as Christians, we are not meant to live in airplane mode. We are meant to be connected to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so these disciples, they say, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was another baptism. It's like we've been cut off to the system update. But I want to say to us at Kalos Church, we've made known the beauty of Jesus, but we have not talked about the power and baptism of the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, that has limited us in our ability to make known the beauty of Jesus. And I just want to say in the life and ministry and the direction of Kalos Church, there is an upgrade available and there is an an update coming where we walk in the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that Jesus promised us. Come on, Harmony, you can clap for that. Come on, somebody. Hey, they're not going to clap, Harmony. Come on, I love it. <laughs> but there's an update coming, and we desperately need the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so for us to understand the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus, when he was being baptized in the Jordan, John the Baptist, he said, hey, there's one coming after me. I'm not even worthy enough to undo his sandals, or in the Bible times they called them thongs, but that's a little awkward when you're preaching. I'm not even worthy enough to take this thong off. All right, hallelujah. So let's just say sandals. But if you read that in the Bible, do not get scared. Do not be alarmed. And so he says, and this man, he, he's going to do a different baptism. I baptize in water, but this one coming after me, Jesus, he's going to baptize you in the spirit and in fire. And I, I think many of us, we're unaware of these baptisms. So three baptisms I want to talk about today is this, the baptism in the body of Christ, the baptism in water, and the baptism in the spirit. So before we continue, what is baptism? Baptism literally means to immerse in. It means to immerse. So like when you are, you know, working on your jeans and they have no color and you want to change the color of your jeans, you get a tub, you fill it with blue ink or black ink or gray ink. I don't know what color jeans you guys are wearing these days. And so you get your tub and you dye your jeans in this ink and it's so immersed that the color of the jeans begin to change. And this is the biblical imagery of baptism. It's not just uh, something that you, you just kind of uh, uh, pass by or do. It's baptism that immerses you and changes the way you look, 
the way you feel. It changes your essence. And so we are, first of all, when we become Christian, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we are baptized, first and foremost, into the body of Christ. We are baptized into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. So it is the Holy Spirit, track with me, it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes us into the body. So the Holy Spirit is the one doing the baptism, and we are being immersed into the body. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. In Galatians 3, 26 through 27, it says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ, the body, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so this is really important for us to understand, especially for those of us who are far from God, are new in our faith, or maybe we've been in church a long time. Christianity is an immersive experience. It's not just attending church on a Sunday. It's not just singing songs. It's being immersed into the body of Christ, where the body of Christ, its essence changes you, like those jeans being dyed in the color blue or gray or black, whatever you guys are wearing. And so we are meant to be Christian that are part of the body of Christ, that we are one with Christ, that you are my brothers and sisters as we have been immersed into the body. How many of you guys have been immersed into the body of Christ today? Come on, somebody. And it's great. It's a beautiful thing. And then after that, so the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body, but then we experience baptism in water. And this happens by disciples like John the Baptist or in Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission. Jesus says, go therefore and go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the disciples are doing the baptism in water. And I'm so proud of uh, the people in this room who recently got baptized at our unveil service, like Solomon and Brian, Sarah Wyatt. I mean, just amazing. And they're baptized. Yeah, you guys can clap. Harmony, you can clap. It's awesome. Baptized in water. And what happens there is they're making a public declaration of something that happened inside their heart. So the baptism into the body is a private moment where you're saying, Jesus, I surrender to you. But they said, we want to go public with our faith. We want to express outwardly what happened inwardly. Jesus says, if you deny me before others, I will deny you before the Father. And so they're saying, we want to acknowledge you, Jesus, publicly. We're happy that we're in the body of Christ. We're happy we've experienced salvation. And like Solomon said, I want to get baptized to signify that I am 100% in. I'm not turning back. I am public for Jesus. And Solomon's so proud of you for that moment. And this is what happens when we are baptized in water. Like we read in Acts 19 earlier, this is the baptism of repentance. So when we are baptized into the body, we become a new creation. We become part of the body of Christ. But then in the baptism of water, we're saying the old man, the old woman, the old person who I used to be is going to be drowned and dead in the water. And I'm going to rise up out of the water as a new creation. So the baptism of water is a separation from sin. It's a separation from our old life. And that is the second baptism we experience. And it's symbolic. It's not your salvation. It doesn't impact your eternity. It's symbolic of what has already happened inwardly when you're baptized into the body of Christ. So I have a wedding ring. But watch this. This wedding ring symbolizes that I'm married to Pastor Amritha. But check this out. 
I took off the wedding ring. Am I still married? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. And like baptism, it doesn't mean you're saved just because you got baptized. It's a symbol of what happened. Like this is a symbol of what happened on my wedding day. Look, still married? Still married. It's a symbol. Simmer down. Simmer down. <laughs> I'm still married. So that's the baptism of water, and that's what disciples do. And then there's this third one. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So when we were baptized into the body of Christ, we were baptized by the Holy Spirit, but this third baptism is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I will baptize you in the Spirit and fire. So Jesus here is the one doing the baptism. So it's really interesting when you look in the scriptures, we see that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, but Jesus baptizes us into the Holy Spirit. And I, I want you to see in Acts 8, a picture of all three of these things happen, reading 12 through 17. But when they believed, so when they believed, when they entered the body of Christ, Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. So there's a second act there, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So you see the three acts, baptized into the body, the baptism in water, and baptism in the spirit. Very powerful, but I feel like in the church, many of us are totally unaware of these things. And if we're honest with ourselves, do you lack power in your Christian faith? Do you feel like you are unable to share your faith with your friends in any substantial way? Do you feel like you keep on falling into the same sins over and over and over, and you're like, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I'm just not strong enough to overcome these sins, and when I get over them in my own strength, I fall back into them? Well, that's because you are not strong enough to overcome your sins. When you become a Christian, you are baptized into the body of Christ. You become a new creation, a creation, but then when you are water baptized, you're saying, my old life is gone. I'm separated from sin, but we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to walk as new creation. The spirit in the Greek here literally means pneuma. It's a wind. It's the breath of air. Jesus took his disciples before he left, and he breathed on them, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, because we all need the breath of life to live as new creation creations in a sustained way. But many of us are stuck in that powerlessness, that weakness. But I want to let you know, there's an upgrade available for you. There's an update available for you. Who wants that upgrade? Who wants that update? There is a new breath and a wind and a power for you. It is available for all those who will ask and receive and believe in faith. And so understanding these baptisms gives a context for the last words that Jesus said to the disciples. And if 
you're a teacher and you have one last message to share with your disciples. How many of you guys know it's an important thing to pay attention to? And so this is what Jesus says in Acts 1, 3 through 5. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. I love this. So Jesus has been crucified, he's resurrected, and now he's appearing to the disciples. He appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I would love to be part of that conversation. Guys, I'm alive. I don't know, I'll prove it. <laughs> Give me another example, okay. <laughs> he proved to them in many, not just one way, he proved it to them in many ways. Can your friends do this? You know, like, and so, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once he was eating with them, he commanded them. I love this. He commanded them. Notice, it's a command. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he talks about Different baptisms again, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we see here, waiting for the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the Christians was not an option, it was a command. The baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus told and taught these disciples about was not an option. It was critical for them to be witnesses. And the last words of Jesus were not go into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them. And we, we see that great commission. Many times we hear the great commission, go into the world. And we're like, this was Jesus' last hurrah. But the last words of Jesus were not go. The last words of Jesus were wait. The last words of Jesus were wait for the gift that has been promised. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Have you waited for the gift? Have you tried to go and make disciples? Have you tried to witness without the power of the Holy Spirit? And so we see you will receive power. Everyone say power. power. You will receive power. And so that builds us up to a day called Pentecost in Acts 2. And many of us, we've been afraid of this term Pentecost. We've heard of like Pentecostal people, and we have this image in our mind of Pentecostal people are, are people who wear too much makeup or no makeup at all, right? <laughs> That's Pentecostal. They're people that handle snakes and scorpions, and they bark, and they're just really weird spiritual people. But the word Pentecost is not a scary word. It literally means Get ready for this. This might freak you out. The word Pentecost means 50. Because it was a celebration, a Jewish feast that was 50 days after Passover. And so on the day, in Acts 2, it says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, so this was after they were waiting in Jerusalem like Jesus asked them to do. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. 
And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I love that everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a lottery. It wasn't just for some super Christians or some established Christians. Everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they were speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, this exclaimed, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans, and Arabs, and we hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But the others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. They're all, and as we all know, when you're drunk, you can speak several languages and declare the wonders of God. And so we see in this moment, the disciples, they obeyed Jesus' command. They waited in Jerusalem. They're praying and they're waiting. And suddenly a wind comes and fire falls on their head. And they were filled with the Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages and proclaim the glory of God. And they, they witness and they tell them what Jesus has done. And the scriptures say 3,000 became believers. And the birth of the church happens in this moment. And Peter starts preaching and saying, this is a promise for all of your children on Sunday family day, this is a promise for all of the children and for all of those who are far off. And it's amazing. Peter goes on to say, Jesus, or Joel says that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And it's the birth of the church. And we see the first church in the book of Acts is a mega church. It's just amazing. And there's people speaking in all these languages. And there's a true multi-ethnic church in this first experience. And where I've seen the Holy Spirit divide so many churches over doctrine and theology, in this moment, the Holy Spirit is the greatest unifier we've ever seen, where people are speaking all sorts of different languages. They all look different, but they're glorifying the same. God. Come on, somebody. And I even see that happening as we experience more and more of the Holy Spirit. I believe God's going to develop what we're already seeing here at Kalos Church. We have a multi-ethnic church. We have different nations represented. We have different demographics represented. And it's a beautiful thing. And there is a one citizenship we have as Christians. And that is our citizenship to heaven. Amen. And we see that the Holy Spirit is a great unifier as they speak different languages and glorify one God. And that's what happened. So what happened, though, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And what happens to all of us? So they spoke in different languages. These scriptures say that they prophesied. But Jesus says, you will receive power. Power. Power to what? Power to be witnesses, to share your faith, to declare the glory of God. And we at Kalos have a mission. We want to make known the beauty of Jesus. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Why? To be witnesses. Many of us have probably asked this question. Why does it feel like we only see the power of the Holy Spirit in other countries? 
Why are there miracles that happen in other nations, healings, and we see like really amazing moves of God? Well, I, I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit isn't for power for the sake of power. It's power to witness. And if you've ever been on a missions trip or if you've ever gone out trying to share your faith, you've probably experienced some supernatural things. Because that power isn't something we follow. See, disciples or believers, we don't follow miracles. Miracles are supposed to follow believers. And when we share our faith, when we witness, when we declare the glory of God, we'll find that power will follow us as we go. Because when we're sharing our faith, we are meant to be power-assisted. We need an extra boost. We need the Holy Spirit. Peter was the same disciple of Jesus that when Jesus was on the cross, a little girl walks up to him and says, hey, aren't you, aren't you the one who is with Jesus? And Peter can't even share his faith with a little girl. But then here on the day of Pentecost, suddenly he's preaching to thousands of people with boldness and strength. What happened? The same guy that was afraid to share his faith with the little girl is starting to preach to the masses from all over the world. What happened? He was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he received power to what? To be a witness. If you want to make a difference for God, if you want to be a witness, you need the power from the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem until you receive the gift. It wasn't an option. It was a command. You are meant to be power-assisted. I remember when we moved to Bellevue here and we said, we want to make known the beauty of Jesus. We want to start a church. We did not know anybody in Bellevue. We did not have a lot of money. We didn't have a lot of things going for us. And I remember Andrew Jennings right here on the keyboard. He uh, and I were walking around Bellevue, and we didn't know where we were going to meet. We had heard some churches around here were paying like, like $75,000 a month for rent and paying just crazy amounts of money to buy sound systems and chairs and tables. And we didn't know what we were going to do. We felt like God had called us to witness, to make known the beauty of Jesus, to share our faith. We had felt like God called us to do something, to proclaim the glory of God. But we totally felt weak in our own strength. We didn't have the manpower. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the connections. But we did have the Holy Spirit. And so we began to just simply walk around and explore and look. And we ended up here in the Lincoln Square. And we're just looking around. We try to get into Lucky Strike. They wouldn't let us in for some reason. We tried to tour the movie theaters. We did. But as we were walking around, I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me in our quest to make known the beauty of Jesus. I felt like the Holy Spirit say, go to the parlor, knock on the door. And it was like nine in the morning, right? It was like super early, earlier, <laughs> just like this scripture. It was super early in the morning and the doors are locked, the lights are off. It's a comedy club, it's a club, it's a lounge. Like they're not gonna be open at 9 a.m. But I felt like the Holy Spirit say, knock on the door. So I did, knock, no response, knock again. And then this girl peeks through the window, opens the door, and says, what are you guys doing here? So early in the morning, we're not open yet. And we just said, 
we're here to make known the beauty of Jesus. <laughs> we moved here from Michigan. Can we share you our story? <laughs> and we shared our story about how we want to make a difference. We want to show the love of God in tangible and practical ways here in Bellevue. And we just shared our journey. And then she said, you know what? I'm going to make it work for you. And we started working with amazing people here at the parlor, like Dave right over there. We love you, Dave. <laughs> and just making connections. And they went above and beyond for us. They said, you can use our sound system. You can use our video system. You can use all our chairs. We'll even help you with catering food. We'll let you use all our stuff, the McQuaid room. We'll let you use every part. And we'll have you start a church in a comedy club. We never thought we would be a church here, but you know what? We're going to make it happen. And they gave us a great deal. And people are like, other pastors, other people who had planted churches in Bellevue, they're like, man, we, ah, oh, that is such a good idea. Church in a comedy club, no joke. Why didn't we think about that? And I, I just said, we didn't think about that. The Holy Spirit brought us here. The Holy Spirit gave us power. The Holy Spirit is our guide and led us. And we, in our own strength, would have never knocked on the door at 9 a.m. But the Holy Spirit nudged us. And now, how many people have been baptized and saved? How many people have experienced the beauty of Jesus? And I believe that there is an upgrade available as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is just the beginning that we're going to see God move through Bellevue like a mighty wind like a river of fire, and that the suicidal and the depressed and the lost and the blind and those who have no hope would experience the beauty of Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit would invite us with power, and that we wouldn't be drunk on wine anymore, Carlin, but we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. <laughs> we need an upgrade, amen. <laughs> we need an upgrade. And so the band behind me is going to sing. But I want to let you know that you today can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to make it spooky or weird. I'm not going to make this an emotional response. But I want to let you know you all can receive this baptism. In Luke 11, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they could ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so today, we will ask, we will seek, we will knock, and we'll say, Holy Spirit, we want you. Jesus, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet in this place. Let's stand up to our feet. And if you're in this place and you're saying, I want the Holy Spirit, I want to receive this power, I want everything God has for me, would you just lift up your hands as a sign of surrender and just say, Holy Spirit, I want everything you've got. God, I want everything you've got. Jesus, I want every good and perfect gift you have for me. 
Just lift it up as a sign of surrender, saying, Lord, I'm asking for everything you have for me. I'm seeking everything you want for me. And so, Father, I just pray for all of us in this place. I pray that there would be a great baptism in the Spirit. Jesus, I pray that you would baptize us in your Spirit with wind and fire, that we would have power to be witnesses, to make known the beauty of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would fill them. Lord, with the ability to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, that they would speak in other languages, that they would walk in the power of prophecy, that they'd experience the power from miracles, signs and wonders, healing supernaturally, Lord. I pray that they would receive everything that you have for them. Ben, why don't we sing and welcome the Holy Spirit in this place?